Hello everyone and welcome to the Constructed Criticism Network. This network is here to help you improve in Magic the Gathering at every level. From popper leagues to top 1000 mythic, we've got you covered. If you want to hear the entire network, head on over to our sponsor at puremtgo.com where you can hear each and every show, each and every week, and check out their sponsor, MDGO Traders, and tell them that the CCMTG Network sent you. Now sit back, enjoy the show, from YouTube, podcasts, and more, here's this week's episode from ConstructedCriticism.com. Hello everyone, it is 4.10, August the 7th, 2020, and that means it's time for this week's trip down the homeward path. My name is Adam, I'm a husband, father of three, just finished another 50 plus hour work week, and I do this show for one reason. Magic is hard, and so is improving, and it's all harder when other things are more important to you than magic. But if we focus on our three B's, budgeting, brewing, and breaking bad habits, we can overcome. If that sounds like you, then get your witch's oven ready because I'll be your cauldron familiar. (laughs) Oh, that joke was so bad it got banned while I was making it. Um, While we were away this week, Wizards of the Coast announced a massive bombshell ban list announcement that a lot of other people have already covered. But I'm going to do it anyway, because I'd like to take a look at it through one very specific lens. But first, for those of you who don't know yet, the the bands were as such. In standard, it was Teferi Time Raveler, Growth Spiral, Wilderness Reclamation, and Cauldron Familiar. In Pioneer, it was Inverter of Truth, uh, Underworld Breach, and... Was it just those two? I can't remember. Definitely wasn't. No, those two and Walking Ballista. That was the third one. Uh, Inverter of Truth, Underworld Breach, Walking Ballista. And then Historic saw the suspension of Teferi Time Raveler and Wilderness Reclamation. And Brawl saw the banning of Teferi Time Raveler. For what it's worth, as much as I think it's a little bit silly to ban cards from standard six weeks before it rotates I get it I'm not in love with the idea I'm not saying I I'm not saying I like am adamantly in favor of it but I get it and I'm not going to say I'm not glad they did it I can say with reasonable amount of certainty that I don't think they would have done this if there were any high-level paper events going on right now. I can't see a good reason to do it if we've got a lot of paper events going on. But sticking through the lens, like just kind of the bullet points and all of them like I like to do during this segment, in standard, growth spiral was a problem because it accelerated decks past the mid-game all the way to their, their top end. That's not healthy. Wilderness Reclamation was just the best top end you could possibly ask for. The idea, it's it's uh, Squadron Hawk or Stoneforge Mystic wearing Sword of Feast and Famine. You are tapping out for stuff on your turn, then untapping and interacting on theirs. That's not healthy. Cauldron Familiar just kind of was miserable to play against. 
I mean, I loved playing it. It was the best, it was the, we'll say the third best kitty I've ever had. Objectively speaking. The order is Gideon, Snoopy, called him familiar. But, <laughs> the biggest one, and then, you know, the Pioneer bands, we had Inverter of Truth desperately needed to go. There's no, there's no going around that. There's no trying to make it feel better than it was. It was a miserable, miserable deck to have in the format. Where some games would feel like you were in it, and then other ones you would just get turned forward and you couldn't really do anything. They thought sees your one piece of interaction, see the hand that you kept and go, oh, great, you're just dead. That's not good. It's not healthy. Same goes for Breach. Although the Lotus Field decks are still there, they still exist. You just don't have the, you have to go with a different kind of redundancy now. And maybe they're enough less consistent that they're okay. I hope so. And then Walking Ballista was basically the only way to build the wide aggro deck. So removing that injects a little bit of force diversity into the format. And I'm okay with it. As much as I would have rather seen them do Heliod just because I like playing with Walking Ballista, I'm not going to complain too much. It just means I get to play with it in Modern and Commander on a cheaper price tag. We'll get there. We will get to play with the Walking Bang Bangs again. And I, I did not patent that, and I probably will never use that again. Um, but... All of that is overshadowed by Teferi Time Raveler, as Teferi Time Raveler tends to do. The name of this episode is Standard Unraveled for a reason. And that brings us to our main topic, the impact Teferi Time Raveler had on Standard and where we go now that he is not legal in the format. So, obviously for those of you who have been living under a rock who haven't been playing Standard for very long, have not had the misfortune of having this thing dropped against you for the last year. Well, let me give you the quick rundown on what Teferi Time Raveler is. A somehow three mana four loyalty planeswalker that forces your opponent to play at sorcery speed. You can plus one to cast your sorceries at instant speed until your next turn. And you can minus three to bounce an on-land permanent and draw a card. And on the surface, that doesn't sound as bad as it is. And then you play against it. And then you play against it again. And then you play against it again after that. And then you play against it one more time. And then you just get really tired of playing against it because you keep running into it. Because it's basically making you play Hearthstone. Teferi Time Raveler was a problem because it invalidated the entire mid-game of Standard. And what I mean by that is, you know, I talked about Growth Spiral jumping past your own mid-game. Well, the curve of Growth Spiral into Teferi into Nyssa 
just would invalidate an opponent's entire counterplay line. Because jamming the Teferi after the Growth Spiral means they can't react to the Nissa, either by killing something else, flashing in a threat to block the land, whatever. None of that's on the table because Teferi says, no, 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 no. You only work at sorcery speed. Okay, well, I'll just play my own big dumb thing that invalidates your Nissa because it's it's big enough that the lands you're playing, you're turning into creatures don't matter. Yeah, it's in your hand now and I just drew a card. Mm, rough. Uh, make another 3-3 three, three attack. Go ahead. Even in non-Nissa decks, like, there's blue-white control. To ferry on three, bounce your three drop. On, you know, on the play, bounces your three drop. Or bounces your two drop. No. If you're mono-red on the draw and you go turn one Scorch Spitter and then turn two Runaway Steamkin and your opponent just goes to ferry bounce, you're like, oh. Well, like, my Spitter can kill it now, but... I don't think it matters, and you'd be right to think that, because it doesn't matter anymore. Your assault has been blunted, your opponent is in no danger of dying now. Because now by the time you rebuild your board presence, they will be able to have mana for Shatter the Sky, they'll sweep the board, and then they'll just start to dominate you. That's what they do. And it's all possible thanks to Teferi. Can you leave mana up to fry the Teferi at the end of their turn? No. No. Um, got to play at sorcery speed. It invalidated the entire mid-game. It invalidated entire types of cards. And I don't mean like creature artifact land. I mean like designs of cards. If it was a permanent that cost two or more mana and did not generate value the instant it entered the battlefield, it was bad against a fairy. Like the aforementioned runaway steam camp. like any two-drop creature that didn't have haste or some sort of a protection mechanic. Any three-drop creature that didn't have an enter the battlefield. Any two-drop creature that didn't have an enter the battlefield. Any three, four, five, six-mana creature that didn't have an enter the battlefield ability. Those are all bad cards when Teferi Time Raveler is legal in a format. The reason the Lucky Clover decks fell off so bad is because so many people picked up Teferi as their weapon of choice against Wilderness Reclamation, and that invalidates both Edgewall Innkeeper and Lucky Clover. You really want to get both those things going, but Teferi can bounce one of them and turn it off for the turn. So if you were counting on getting like a, a value granted, or you granted for a land and one sideboard card. That's not going to happen now. Teferi's, no, 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 no. Lucky Clover's back in your hand. I'll draw a card. Try again. If you couldn't take advantage of it right away, it didn't make sense to play into their Teferi, which in turn gave them more time to get to their endgame. And that's not healthy. That's not healthy for standard. That's not healthy for anything. So, then we had another entire class of card that normally would be very good against Planeswalkers and in-game decks as a whole. Counterspells. Which you... 
cannot cast Walter Fairy Time Ravelers on the table, even during your own turn. Why? Because Teferi says you can only play at sorcery speed. No, you can only play on your own turn. You can only play at sorcery speed. Ew. That's not good. Mana inefficient instant speed removal. And I know that's a mouthful. Call it me, sir. I don't know. E, sir. Inefficient instant speed removal. I'll get there. Um, cards like Eat to Extinction. Exile target creature, Planeswalker. Functionally surveil one, even though it doesn't have the word. It is basically surveil one. That doesn't do anything with Teferi on the board. Because what you want to do with that card is instep it and then untap and play your five drop. Or untap and play your two drop and leave up counter magic. But you can't do that because Teferi's like, no, 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 no. You got to do that on my terms. Sorcery speed. Don't forget. It's like Vraska's Contempt. That card we forgot existed before it rotated out of standard. Largely in part due to Teferi Time Raveler. They were in standard at the same time. Nobody cared. Four mana, exile target creature, planeswalker, gain two life. It was a staple. Until Teferi Time Raveler. Yeah, you could still play it, but it was really embarrassing to, like, tap out on turn four to kill a Teferi. It's not good. It also invalidated cards with the word flash on them. Not in the sense that they just don't do anything the way we did with these other spells, but a lot of the intrigue to playing cards with flash is the flexibility, and Teferi just removes all of it. Only with recent designs did we get a, enough different kind of flexibility in cards with Flash to make up for the fact that Teferi's in the format and the deck's still back. And then you also had specialized cards which were very, very powerful, but because of Teferi and both the tempo negative aspects of the, the minus three and the forcing you to play at sorcery speed, Teferi just shut them down wholesale. Cards like Finale of Promise, which is just blank cardboard with Teferi on the board. Uh, God Eternal Kefnet, fun fact, is bad against both versions of Teferi because it's a four-drop creature with no intrinsic value. And, by the way, it's also... A creature that tries to let you cast a spell at not sorcery speed. Because you reveal the top card of your library whenever you draw. If you want to, if you re reveal an instant or sorcery, you can cast a copy of it, reduced by up to two. And I've played a lot of games with God Eternal Captain. I am not ashamed to admit that because that card is cool, even if it's bad. And it's really bad against a fairy unspeakably bad. I don't want to talk about how bad that card is against a fairy. Dreadhorde Arcanist. 
one two drop creature that doesn't generate value when it enters unless you work for it two if teferi's already on the board it still doesn't generate any value because when you attack it casts a spell the stack has to be empty in order for teferi to let you cast a spell It also has to be your main phase in order for Teferi to let you cast a spell. Neither of those things are possible with a Dreadhorde Arcanist attacking. To say nothing of cards like Terror of the Peaks, Elder Gargaroth, you know, classic big dumb mid-range staple creatures that are really good against anything but Teferi. Riding Regisar. Three mana seven sixes are supposed to be busted, and Rotting Registrar has just been fine for the last year. Because we had another three mana thing that trumped it by blunting its ability to attack. It's not healthy. But it also, it didn't just invalidate entire card types, it would also invalidate entire strategies, entire deck archetypes. Like the classic mid-range deck, the I'm a sort of aggressive deck, but I play big, powerful, splashy cards. That deck doesn't exist with Teferi. If it does, you've got to warp what it does so much that it doesn't matter. You've got to play haste creatures, you've got to play value creatures, and then suddenly it's not classic mid-range, it's value mid-range. It's, it's more like a rock deck than it is a the classic mid-range deck. You know, you can't play big stupid animals not deck. Like, you can't play a monster's deck with Teferi in standard. It's just bad times for everybody. You can't play Drago Control with Teferi in the format. Because if you don't counter it on the way down, your deck doesn't function anymore. You can't play big aggro decks against Teferi Time Raveler. Because the goal with a big aggro deck is to be built like a regular aggro deck, curve like one mana further and play larger threats so that you can kind of bulk up and body them and gain virtual card advantage because it takes two of their cards to trade for one of yours. Your cards are just a little bit better than theirs. But that doesn't matter against Teferi Time Raveler. We'll just bounce your big dumb thing. We'll shut off your efficient removal spells or at least restrict you to using your own turn to do it. And eventually the rest of my deck is going to be better than yours. Arclight Phoenix decks disappeared from standard in large part due to Teferi Time Raveler. We had a little bit of a day in the sun prior to uh, rotation where Finale of Promise and the one-two punch of Charter Course and Tormenting Voice made the deck possible. But ever since then, like the deck has to bend itself over so badly. And playing Finale was just a feel bad with Teferi in the format because if it was on the table, if you couldn't kill it, which you don't play enough removal to do, well, now, it, like, the finale in your hand is blank. You can't kill Teferi. Now you have to play Arclight Phoenix as a Snare Thopter with haste, and that's just not a good time. A 4-mana 3-2 flyer with haste 
is like fine when you have to do it as long as there's another mode. And then the entire archetype that we've had access to in standard for the last year. Bear that in mind. M20 gave us Tonebound Lich. War of the Spark gave us Bond of Revival. We had Dracoseth, Maw of Flames. We have uh, Blood for Bones out of M20. Sacri uh, yeah, sacrifice a creature. Revive one and then return one to your hand. We had uh, Rise from the Grave. We had the, the new one. I can't remember the name of. There's all kinds of return target, return target, big dumb thing from your graveyard to the battlefield. Those are all really bad with Teferi Time Raveler on the battlefield, where you invest time and mana in turns to make these things, and then they just Teferi you, and it doesn't matter. Because your big dumb thing got bounced, and they drew a card. Now you got to find a way to get it back in the graveyard. But what does it mean for standard now that it's gone? If all these archetypes were being held down, being suppressed by it, between it, Wilderness Reclamation, Cauldron Familiar, and Growth Spiral, what does the standard format look like now? Well, I'm not the authority on that because I've played like nine games of standard since the bannings. I can definitively say that the Phoenix decks are still bad. Don't, don't do it to yourself. Save it for Pioneer, save it for Modern. Don't do it in Standard. Maybe do it in Historic, it might be fun. We do have Young Pyromancer in Historic now for what it's worth. But what is the new quote unquote top tier? And it makes me really happy to have invested in one of these. <laughs> Uh, the Clover decks are, by and large, the best endgame deck re remaining that has an established plan, that has an established build. Turns out, Edgewall Innkeeper into Lucky Clover into Fertile Footsteps is still really, 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 really good. And we may end up getting a deck tech from me about that at some point down the line. But... You will be swimming in a sea of value as long as you can get your synergy pieces down and keep taking advantage of them. It doesn't feel fair when you're rolling. It really doesn't. The second class of decks that I would argue are the best at the top tier, and one of them that you will see the absolute most on the ladder as people try to hurry through and get mythic, Embercleave decks. Because everybody has a plan until they die on turn four. <laughs> I know that's not how the saying goes, but it's how the saying goes in standard right now. Whether you're playing, you know, Alpine Houndmaster, Anax Hardened in the Forge, or Gruel Spellbreaker and Questing Beast, or Rotting Regisar, or, you know, Rotting Regisar Spawn of Mayhem. Embercleave decks are back on the menu and in a big way. They are just very powerful. You know, you can even go three colors. You can play knights because you have a land that lets you pay any of three colors for your knights 
or your equipments, which makes your ember cleave even more dumb. The next pillar, I would say, it's there. It's just the, like we got to figure out what the list looks like. Are the Uro Nissa Crisis mid-range decks because three of the five pieces of the core for the ramp decks still makes a pretty really strong deck. Now, whether that means playing dedicated Simic Ramp with Uro, Crisis, Nissa, Ugin, Cultivate, Migration Path, or Boreal Grazer, or just playing like a Bant or Sultai or Teamer mid-range, uh, you can do a whole lot worse than the curve of Jalrel, Uro, Nissa, and then if you untap with Nissa, you drop a giant Crisis on them. You can do a whole lot worse than that. Play some amount of, you know, you you have room in your deck now because you don't have to play Growth Spirals. You don't have to splash the, you don't have to play Expansion Explosions and Wilderness Reclamations. You don't have to play the fourth color for Teferi. You have room in your deck now. You can actually build a well-rounded threat base. You can play Terror of the Peaks in a teamer mid-range deck with Uro, Nissa, and Crisis. And it's totally defensible. I love it. Love the idea. You can play Saltai. You can be a Saltai version and play Casualties of War. Um, you can play Bant. You still have Elspeth Conquers Death. You still have Narset, Parter of Veils. And the overwhelming majority of your power cards are non-creatures. You know, Nissa's a non-creature. ECD's a non-creature. And you can still play Cultivate in the Bant deck. I mean, there's a lot to choose from within the Uro-Nissa Crisis shell. And then there's the card that spawned an entire archetype, and that is Winota. And that's just probably the most broken card, single magic card left in standard right now. Just the, the single most busted card left. Winota being a collected company unto herself. is really powerful. Turns out, that's really strong. Like... You don't even have to try super hard to make Winota powerful. The Mardu Winota deck is really good. Yeah, it's technically an Embercleave deck, but the fact that it's like an Embercleave deck and something else that's equally busted should terrify you. Because the vast majority of the Winota deck is not going anywhere. We lose Raise the Alarm, we lose uh, Legion War Boss, but we keep all the dogs. So, I mean, if nothing else, Paw Blade is still a deck on the other side of rotation. Selfless Savior into Alpine Hound Master into either one of the other good boys into Winota still puts three dumb things onto the table. Still really good. 
putting three stupid not animals onto the table is still really, 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 really powerful. And then last but not least, monocolor aggro. Mono green still goes burr. Like, Pelt Collector still curves into Barkhide Troll, which still curves into Yorvo, which still smashes your face in while you're trying to figure out why in the world they decided to give Barkhide Troll the ability to gain Hexproof. Mono Black still has Gutter Bones and Knight of the Ebon Legion for another six weeks. And when you drop one of those two, into another one of those two on turn two, into attack, drop spawn of mayhem on three, or drop rotting regisaur. Maybe you drop hunted nightmare, whatever. Whatever your three drop jazz is. It's real good. <sighs> Excuse me. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of viable decks now is kind of what I'm wanting to get in. Now that brings me to our first part of winding down. What am I playing this week? Well, I'll do, I will hopefully get to do more of like an in-depth deck tech on this later. Either video or something in the, uh, the Facebook group about it. I passed it on to my patrons first and some select other people that I know are just desperately looking for one deck to play until rotation. Uh, but I passed it on to them first. We've got Saltai Clover is the one that I'm playing the most. Uh, turns out even without Bone Crusher Giant and some of the red sideboard cards, the core of Edgewall Innkeeper, Lucky Clover, Lovestruck Beast, Beanstalk Giant, Fay of Wishes, Brazen Borrower, still really good. And I kind of wanted a deck that was a little bit better against the other top end decks rather than hedging quite so much against aggro. And realistically speaking, like, as good as the as Bone Crusher Giant makes your your linear aggro matchups, like your mono red matchup, your mono black matchup are much better than Saltai's are when you're playing Teamer. Having a little bit of a decided edge in the mirror by way of Murderous Rider, being able to kill their things, multiple things at once all the time. Often, you know, yeah, it's at the cost of a few points of life. But when you kill a lethal beanstalk giant before they can fail wishes for the Embercleave, feels pretty good. <laughs> also of note, play the Embercleave in your sideboard. You've got room. It's okay. You probably, well, you probably still play Domri's Ambush. The other advantage to Saltai is having access to both Murderous Rider in the main deck an assassin's trophy in your wishboard to be able to just kill Ugin dead. 
You don't have to have a lot of extra help. It's one of the advantages. It's pretty nice. And then, uh, last but not least, I've been trying to make a Phoenix deck work because I love me some Flappy Birds. I have a problem. I'll admit to it, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop. The deck is not very good. It feels like I'm having to work way harder to execute my game plan than basically everybody else in the format, and it's something I'm going to have to have a little heart-to-heart -heart with myself about. But... Y'all understand, I hope. And that brings us to the end of the show. I'm sorry. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you got questions, comments, concerns, send them to me on Twitter at HomeworkPathMTG. On Facebook, my name is Adam Spain. You can join the conversation in the Facebook group by way of um, finding it, the Homeward Pathfinders. Sorry, brain, not functioning. Homeward Pathfinders, it's open invite, send a request. More than likely, you will be approved to join, and then we can, you know, get to know each other talking about magic. Um, when it comes to... God, I am scatterbrained here at the end. If you want to become a patron and have your deck published in a deck tech, either during this show during the the while we were away segment here at the end if i if i like it enough i'm going to play the crap out of it and it will probably just be my ladder weapon of choice and i will plug the heck out of you for sending it to me become a patron three dollars or more uh you can do that at patreon.com slash homeward mtg uh this show and major pieces of content are always going to be free but if you like what i'm doing enough to help me keep doing it Send it. I'll appreciate it. I really will. But, speaking of things you'll appreciate, it's time for hashtag MTG Dad Jokes. And I, I, started, I started us off this week. Uh, my reaction to the ban, to, to the ban list announcement, was... I said, I'm looking forward to pulling out my Lucky Clovers again. You might say I have an adventurous impulse. And I use the Horatio Kane gif because I'm a, I'm a monster. Next one comes to us courtesy of Aaron Barrich. Who said, you know what combo didn't get banned in Pioneer? Oh, baby, the possibilities are endless. Brett, I hope you're listening. And if you're not, I'll tell you later. But... He suddenly feels really glad about getting that deck, I think. It's fun, at the very least. And last but not least, I found the, uh, the image. It's cards that have been banned in Standard in the last year. First is Oko. It says, being banned sucks. I'm bored. Teferi says, ban me. I'm going to phase you all out of time. Agent of Treachery says, but... but I can't steal things. I'm meant to steal things. Why ban me? And then the last picture is this poor little black cat on fire. And it says, oh, thank God it's over. 
To which uh, V Pauper says, looks like the band, B-A-N-N-E-D, is back together. Okay, bye. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> A+, plus, love it. Keep them coming. Remember, if you tweet it with the hashtag, I will read it on the show. As long as it's in before Friday morning, I will read it. So, that's all I've got for this week again, everybody. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed. And just remember, we are all going through a lot of stuff right now. Some more than others, some less than others. Some are going through different stuff. It doesn't matter. Everybody is struggling in this pandemic-ridden world we live in. With that in mind, remember how we're supposed to interact with each other in times of trouble. Or all the time, really. The Twelfth Doctor puts it best. Never be cruel, never be cowardly. Remember that hate is always foolish and love is always wise. Always try to be nice, but never fail to be kind. So go forth, send some creatures on an adventure, and be kind. We'll catch you next week. Later.